Hi, this is David Anders from Once Upon a Time. I play Dr. Whale and Dr. Frankenstein. You're listening to Once Podcast. You're listening to Once, episode 100, second star to the right. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. And this is so exciting to be 100 episodes, podcast episodes, that is. 100 years old. (laughs) Which is still not nearly as old as Rumpelstiltskin. We would have to do five more seasons to be as old as Rumpelstiltskin is. Mm. Or a lot of summer episodes. Except those aren't years, they're just weeks. And maybe like half weeks. <laughs> Depending on if we're in Neverland or in uh, Enchanted Forest or our world, a land without magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's talk about this episode, Second Star to the Right. This is the first part of the season finale. And boy, the more I watch this episode... <laughs> yeah, because you the, watched it three times now, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, well, it goes faster in different lands, depending uh, on where I'm watching it uh-huh. from. The more I watch this episode, the more I realize how fast the pace is picking up. And the way that they're using the music and even just some of the filming techniques gave this a very fast-paced feel. But, and this is not a content spoiler but it's a production comment the finale i've heard is really fast-paced and we're going to be blown away it's going to be amazing <laughs> but we knew it's going to blow amazing. us away like like tomorrow is going to do to storybrooke <laughs> <laughs> well that's my prediction that she is going to well, blow away storybrooke she said she was going to season finales are like triggers <laughs> <laughs> they come in chocolate covered Diamonds? Not chocolate covered. Just chocolate diamonds. <laughs> chocolate. Well, let's start our discussion in London. When Bay came through the bean, whor- bean <laughs> hole portal, <laughs> that's hard to say, <laughs> this is the first time we've seen anyone come through on the other side of the portal. We've seen people go into the portals, but we haven't seen them come out the other side. It was very similar to the way that August and Emma came through the wardrobe into our land, how it was lots of wind and all of this. And Well, uh, there's always wind from magic. It's yeah. just, you'll have that. So when, uh, they, when he came through, he popped up in London, and there was a clock there in the background that said it was Big Ben. I mean, <laughs> not just a clock. And it was either at 11.55 or 3-something or something 15. It was a little hard to read it because it looked like the two different faces of it were at different times, but it wasn't 8.15. If people are okay. wondering that, it was not 8.15. It's 8.15 somewhere. <laughs> but, um, no. <laughs> but when he showed up, no. he showed up at Kensington Gardens. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is an important place for the story of Peter Pan, mm-hmm. because not only is That's there a true. statue of Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens near uh, London, but uh, the original novel by J.M. Barry, published in 1906, um, he wrote a book that was specifically titled 
Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens. Mm. He wrote several of stories about Peter Pan and used that character in several stories. Like mm-hmm. the one we're most familiar with is Peter and Wendy. But this uh, story also took place in Kensington Gardens. And Slurpees 108 sent us this uh, message saying, Before the episode aired, Fee had predicted Balefire would come through the portal to Kensington Gardens, <gasps> where a statue of Peter Pan is located in real life. I noted mm. that is also the setting of J.M. Barry's novel, Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens. It's true. In which a runaway infant Peter Pan or yeah, lives among the fairies who eventually take him to Neverland. It's no coincidence that young Belfire's destination was also Kensington Garden. That alone is very convincing evidence that Belfire eventually becomes Peter Pan. Peter Pan. <laughs> wow. <Well, laughs> the Lost Boys were other... Shush! He's going to be Peter Pan. Oh, okay. <laughs> let, let the green man speak. Oh, gr- okay. Green? I, oh. Uh, <laughs> Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The in one version, the lost boys were other boys lost in Kensington Gardens. Mm-hmm. So, Did they have to be in Kensington Gardens? That's really hard to say. I, I got. I, I didn't do super in depth research, but I got the feeling the original original story could, took place completely there. I thought they just have to be orphans in order for for them to be picked up by Peter Pan. Uh, partially. Uh, one of the interesting things I found on this research, and I went to the uh, great encyclopedic site, Wikipedia, and it said after um, about Kensington Gardens, when it closed its gates to the public, after this time, the fairies and other magical inhabitants of the park can move about freely, uh, more freely than during the daylight, when they must hide from ordinary people. And... Uh, the Kensington Gardens, yeah, like Jeremy said, also ties with Lost Boys in it. <gasps> so, yeah, really. And it wasn't a mistake because they deliberately showed the sign. They did. And right. hinted to us at that. So that's that's really interesting. And we'll get into a little more stuff about maybe Peter Pan implications. But one other thing here that <laughs> Slurpees108 said is... Also, Wendy said that the shadow came to the Darling residence at the same time Balefire arrived there, which is not a coincidence either. No, it's not. So that, though, here's the thing. That happens six months after Bay came to our world. Well, she said a few weeks ago. Yeah, but when we see him break into their home... The subtitle says six months later. Oh, okay, you're right. And we received some confirmation also of that he's been doing things in these six months because he has clothing. He's figured out kind of how the world works. He's familiar with the workhouses. Maybe he spent some time there. Maybe he was (gasps) running away with other kids who spent some time in the workhouses. You know what makes me think of? What? Oliver Twist. Yes, exactly what I was thinking of, too. (laughs) Please, sir, can I have some more? (laughs) (laughs) If we hear him say that, that'll be great. Nice. (laughs) And... At the same time, though, uh, this is 19th century or so. They don't say that in the episode, but the press release that described this episode did say 19th century. Mm-hmm. So in case anyone out there is confused, that means 1800s. That's the 19th century. Did like right notice- now we're in the 21st century, if you're listening to this between <laughs> 2000 and 2099. Did you notice that Wendy said that the shadow came right around the time that Bay came to the Darling's house. Yeah. I wonder if that's a coincidence or not. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I want to talk about because. Or did she say 
What exactly she, did she say? She said a few weeks ago, around the same time that you showed up. Oh. But at this point, he's... She, of course, means showed up at our house. Right. Because he'd already been there a few weeks. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's even what he ended up saying to her parents a little bit later right. on. And, you know, back on not having seen anyone come through a portal before, you're right. And it's we now know that magic bean portals actually change your voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he grew up a little bit. Just a little bit. But Just we'll like, ignore that. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> At least not for having fun. But here, here's <laughs> my crackpot theory of the night. Mm-hmm. Maybe this magic bean portal coming through to a land without magic somehow punched a hole in some sort of magic barrier allowing magical things to come through that might not otherwise have been able to that's a wonderful theory yeah that's my thinking too now just a temporary jump to storybrook when greg and tamara mentioned that they've been doing this for a long time and it's not the first time magic came through maybe when bay came is the first time magic crossed over and so, like you're mm-hmm. saying, ripped a hole in the space-time continuum. So you're saying that this could be the first time that people started fighting off magic, according right. to or, Tamara. Or, or the first time that, yeah, um, that magic came to our world oh. and people weren't aware of it or completely familiar with it hmm. yet. Well, I guess it all depends on how long Peter Pan's had access, because mm-hmm. he's sort of magical. Because they didn't really say that Peter Pan... It wasn't established that Peter Pan had never come to the world before. It's just they sh- he showed up at the Darling's house. Or that's Shadow all I know. did. Sh- oh, sorry. <laughs> the Shadow. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. The scary Shadow. Now, a, a crazy theory that we received uh, was posted in our forums over at oncepodcast.com slash forums. And um, this conversation was started by, um, uh, well, it commented, started by Bell and also commented on by the Golden Key. And here's an idea of what might have been happening around this time. So this is six months after Rumpelstiltskin lost Bay. Rumpelstiltskin is back in Enchanted Forest and he's the Dark One. Probably hasn't had his run-in yet with Hook, but this is about six, it, it is six months after he lost Bay. The uh, forum started with this. Bell said, this is a kind of crazy theory, but when I heard about the shadow was only looking for boys, I thought, what if Rumpel had this whole island orchestrated to find Bay? I know, sounds outlandish, <laughs> uh, but uh, it keeps going. It reminded me of when King Herod ordered all the babies two years and under to be killed because Jesus was the prophesied king, except for Rumpel is looking for his son, so he is ordering the shadow to collect all the boys in our land around the age of 14. Mm. Whoa. Rumpel wouldn't have found Bay because he was with Hook. If Hook found out that Bay was Rumpel's son, he wouldn't have let Rumpel find him. Just a crazy idea from Bell in the forums. That is a crazy idea. I like it. And the golden key also connects this together in an interesting way, tying into when the shadow showed up. He said, uh, replied later, while Kitsis and Horowitz have said that both Bay and the Shadow showed up at Wendy's at the exact same time, which Wendy confirmed that for us too. And they said that in the official podcast mm-hmm. for this episode. 
They did not say that it followed Bay through the vortex at the same time, only that magic followed him through. This could have been six months later. Oh, no, later, we didn't know that. Well, we didn't know the, that magic followed him through the vortex. It probably did, because remember, yes, but Blue, you just, Fairy, you're Blue just Fairy said, us. Blue Fairy said that he was touched by magic. So when he came through, well, for one thing, that opened a portal between a magic world and a non-magic mm-hmm. world. He's been exposed to magic, but yeah. that doesn't say that he's magical. True, but he might have ripped a hole that allowed it to come through. Magical until he became the Dark One. Well, then I would like to say that I came up with that theory without having heard that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the Golden Key, though, continues. Here's the part that really interested me: maybe Bay finally telling Wendy his name was Bay out loud triggered the shadow to seek him out in that home. It's a good parallel to the real Rumpelstiltskin tale where they find out his name when he sings it aloud around a fire. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. So almost like he was the trigger for the shadow. I, I don't know if that could actually be the case. Well, you know, and that all to some degree fits nicely together with the idea that maybe Wendy started whatever this foundation is mm-hmm. or organization that Greg and Tamara are working with. Yeah. You know, a coworker of mine who's a fan of the show pointed out how much money and resources she would have. So, and clearly this is a magic related traumatic event. Bay could be the one mm. who started the idea in her head that magic needs to be eradicated, which down the road leads to the events that just caused everything we saw in the, well, penultimate episode of the season. And Aaron Jay in the chat room uh, for us mentioned that maybe that's why Bay changed his name to Neil, so that he wouldn't attract <laughs> magical attention by speaking his real name. Interesting. And that might be why... What's his face? And <laughs> by what's his face, I mean August would type it and not say it. Oh, that could. Yes. We might have some apologizing to do. <laughs> Maybe you should um, not drink coffee. <laughs> oh, okay. That would be the torture for you. <laughs> if, if what? If we have to apologize for that. Oh, oh. You'll, you'll take the brunt of that apology <laughs> since I took the brunt of the other one. Okay. But the shadow is a really interesting, very mysterious and dark character. <laughs> and Wendy said that it can change its shape and fly and travel between worlds because it has magic. Wait, she said change its shape? Yes. Yeah, she did. We have this seen that. This could make it... Um, difficult for people to find the shadow when they want to because he mm-hmm. could disguise himself as their shadow. Mm. I have a theory I'm going to share later. <laughs> <laughs> Is it wraith related? <laughs> it's not wraith related. Okay. Because that's one of the things we've received a lot of ideas about is maybe the shadow is somehow connected to the wraith. They both hate light hmm. and they both kind of fly similarly <laughs> they and they're dark shadowy figures. They don't let things go. Although the easily. wraith had physical hands, bony kind of hands, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it had red eyes. Yeah, I don't know if I like that one. The shadow had white. 
It could be some kind of magical merge of wraith and human. I don't like it. I don't like it either. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit of a stretch, but I've learned some of these stretching connections might actually be true. <laughs> Diana sent in this email saying, In Peter and Wendy, a novel written by J.M. Barry, Peter even tried to prevent everyone from returning home. He flew ahead of the Jolly Roger during its journey back to London so he could bar the Darling's nursery window in order to trick Wendy into believing that her mother no longer wanted her or had forgotten all about her. Obviously, Peter ultimately chose to do the right thing, but I still think the idea of a dark shadow of Peter Pan luring kids to Neverland and holding them prisoner fits better than heroic Peter Pan fighting to the right, fighting for the right of the lost boys to return home to their families. I just want to know, how, how could a scary, glowy-eyed shadow lure little children to Neverland? How? I would be afraid of... I would be afraid of that if because I saw it as a kid. It can change into anything. So it can change into something fun. A puppy. It can change <laughs> into something that makes the kids laugh. Why wouldn't it stay that way? Wendy was talking about it as if, well, it had been coming for a while. She said it started mm-hmm. coming four weeks ago. And only now is he learning about it because he's been locked up in the little uh, um, hole in the wall. And so the kids have apparently been having some kind of fun with this and I'm guessing learning about Neverland from the shadow and mm. being tempted to go there by the shadow communicating somehow. With Maybe them. it writes words. Yeah. That was the only thing that bugged me about Wendy. She was great, except she's like, okay. She basically promises that she won't open the window. And next thing you know, what does she do? She's like, he's here, he's here. Yeah. yeah. And they kept, um, she kept um, accusing Bay of not believing that was weird to me. You just don't believe. Hmm. I just thought it was strange. Yeah, which did come into play in Storybook, too, about say. believing. Mm-hmm. It's I love the connections that they make between the different worlds when they uh, they show us both sides of a story. But uh, the shadow was really quick to come and just take Wendy and go. It, it was like it was on an errand. It's just stop by, pick up the kid. And leave. Nothing like stay and say hello or anything like that. Isn't that a little strange, though, that she's like, he actually wanted a boy. Um, I guess he didn't know what the difference was. (laughs) Why did he take her if he wanted a boy? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Maybe he's not very smart. (laughs) Or maybe it's somehow... It's a shadow. It's a shadow. It doesn't have a brain. (laughs) Maybe she somehow convinced it that... Well, I, I don't know. It yeah, can that's... fly better than people with brains. <laughs> now, Wendy described Neverland in some interesting ways. She said that time works differently there. This is when she came back the next day or that morning. So this happened. The shadow took Wendy just as the kids were going to bed. I'm guessing an 8.15 was what time it was. Shadow seems to <laughs> okay. like that time. That's cool. um, by the way, speaking of 8.15... The title card for this, when they display Once Upon a Time, it showed Big Ben, and mm-hmm. the clock was moving quickly until it got to 8.15, and then the hands stopped. Oh, oh funny. I didn't notice that. In the that. title screen. Uh, I didn't either. Yeah, really cool. And it just sat there on 8.15 for a little bit. But, um, so, yeah, 8.15 probably this time. But, so, Wendy is gone from 8.15 at night to sometime in the morning when it's daylight again and she came back. But one of the first things she said, smart girl, is she said that time works differently in Wonderland because 
she said, um, it felt like so much longer than one night. Mm -hmm. We have no idea how many nights, but it felt like a lot longer. Mm -hmm. So I'm, there's some kind of ratio there, which means like we mentioned in the initial reactions that for someone like hook who has been there for a couple hundred years, maybe Neil too, then it felt like a whole lot longer than just a couple hundred years. Maybe it felt like 400 years or 500 years. Maybe that's why Bay said to Mr. Gold or Neil said to Mr. Gold in the episode Manhattan, he said 14 again. You've got to be crazy. (laughs) <laughs> because he spent four or 500 years or however long this ratio it, as it is. a 14 year old yes hmm. 14 or 15 but probably still 14 yeah now we got some uh, a collection of theories related to the time in this and uh, diana pointed out that uh, we know that time is parallel in enchanted forest and storybook now because of the timing of this, which does adjust our timeline a little bit by maybe 50 to 70 years, I'm thinking, of like how old Rumpelstiltskin is. Maybe he's not 300, maybe he's 250 or 200 years, but it's still a long time. But also we know that time between present day fairy tale land and Storybrook are completely parallel because of all the present day fairy tale land that was happening with Emma and Mary Margaret back there. And they could say, Aurora could say that she was going to meet Henry in the dream in two hours, and two hours to them was two hours in Storybrooke time as well. Mm-hmm. So that time is completely parallel. But the time with uh, Neverland, no idea how parallel that is. Hope sent in this uh, feedback saying, we know that from the episode An Apple Red is Blood that Jefferson's hat can be focused to travel through time and space. I'm wondering if the magic beans can do the same or if they randomly spit a person out at any time or place in another world. I don't know. I'm thinking that they, though, are parallel. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I, yeah, I really just don't know. I would say parallel. Mm, But parallel to what? I mean, they can go to Neverland. Mm Mm-hmm. So, right. <laughs> well, one other thing to consider. It's hard is, to keep those parallel if they are moving at different rates. Yeah. I really wonder what was Rumpelstiltskin thinking? Because it took him hundreds of years to make the curse to come to our world. Was he expecting to find Bay? You know, originally we said that he designed the curse to take him to about the same time as Bay. But uh, Slurpees 108 pointed out that in the episode, The Return, Rumpel had said to August, thinking that August was Bay. I just want you to know that ever since you left, ever since you crossed the barriers of time and space in every waking moment, I've been looking for you. Well, Rumpel has been guided more by his flashes of the future and maybe not even understanding how, just that he would find Bay by doing these things. Well, and the, the seer even told him that. You will find your son. So he didn't have to target the curse. He Uh, just had to do the curse and they would end up in this other world and somehow Bay would be there. Mm -hmm. That's all he had to know. Yeah, that's uh, basically the same question, answering the question that Chris had emailed in asking. Hmm. We also know that uh, Neverland is an island. It has no grownups, 
And what you once you set foot on its soil, the shadow never lets you leave. You missed. You left out the fairies and mermaids part. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably your favorite part. Probably too. yes, my favorite. You left and out the fairies and mermaids. I'm just wondering, since she mentioned mermaids, I'm wondering if Ariel could be there. I think that is a great place for Ariel to be. I do too. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad quite, you approved. <laughs> I'm quite certain we will see Neverland in the finale episode. I can't wait, and I want to see mermaids. <laughs> but is it going to be creepy? Probably not. It yeah. didn't sound creepy, except at night. I don't know. See, that mermaids traditionally are creepy beings. No, they're not! <laughs> well, they're well they're, And they sing, and they brush their hair. And that's how they lure and you they into the ocean. they drown sailors. That's sirens, Re- not mermaids. Oh, sirens no. are a kind of mermaid. <laughs> how do you sort of. know? I don't know about that. How from, do you know? From Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, my goodness. That's how I learn everything. Everything <laughs> yes, I know, that's such a I reliable from- <laughs> source. Fictitious movie. All right, so our homework for this week <laughs> is research mermaids. Uh. <laughs> but I... I would rather not see them try to fit the Ariel story Maybe they'll into the finale. Us. Maybe they'll give us just, you know, a little taste or something. She'll just be in the background. There'll just be this red-haired mermaid, and she'll Please. be like, yeah. I wish I were a person. And then she'll run by through the background. She'll be like, I have legs! And then you just won't see her anymore. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> I, I could see them doing not something like that, but something where they do hint that Ariel is there more than just like, show us saying, a mermaid. Yeah. Just show us a mermaid. Uh, uh, or show, <laughs> show like, us the mermaid. <laughs> a mermaid from the back with red hair. And that could be, uh, we assume, oh, that's probably Ariel. Ariel. But we never get to meet her in this episode. Because I really don't want to see them introduce new characters in the finale. Even if it's a hint? A hint, I would be fine with. But not introduce the character. Okay. Us I can go with that. I, yeah. just, I would love to see Ariel. Mm-hmm. I would love to see mermaids. I want to see fairies and mermaids. <laughs> They mentioned them. They this have is a fairy tale show. I just want to see them. I want fairies and mermaids, doggone it. <laughs> Not tasers and electroshock. We'll call it therapy. And you want to see the little mermaid, I mean Ariel, because the little mermaid is one of my your favorites, favorite movies. One of my favorites. They haven't showed Alice yet. I'm still waiting on that. Well, they they'll be doing that probably ah, with don't the, tell me. Probably with the Wonderland Don't tell me, spin-off. don't tell me. <laughs> Which, uh, when it comes out, which it looks like it might not actually be until 2014, they may fit the Wonderland episodes still between <laughs> between the short hiatuses that they have to have for Once Upon a Time. What? So they may fit in the Wonderland things as a separate story. Oh. But I loved oh, how... that. Yeah, I loved how, speaking of the Disney movie, I loved how they made the Darling Boys so much like the disney version like with the glasses one of the kids holding the umbrella and i think i saw him holding a top hat too you did and i saw I, so. I saw the i it saw the teddy brief. bear but you that's cool that you noticed the umbrella because john had mm. the umbrella he had the umbrella and the top hat yeah and they all had their little nightgowns on even the little boys <laughs> <laughs> and the dog looked just like the dog Nana. from the disney movie yeah <laughs> and they put a hat on nana i thought mm-hmm. that was great did they ever call the dog by its name? I don't think so. No, and nobody enchanted her bum so that she'd float in the air. <laughs> enchanted her bum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently, you don't have to think happy thoughts in order to fly. Oh, no. Well, I'm sure... Far from it, apparently. Uh, the shadow thinking of? A little bit of fear might put you in the air, looks you know, like. <laughs> the uh, shadow, the way he was carrying Bay through all the... Uh, 
the buildings and the chimneys and and almost killing him and frightening him and stuff made him, you know, kind of consistent with, you know, how Peter Pan really is because mm. he's a mischievous boy mm. and he's a yeah. troublemaker. So he loves to have fun. I was trying to figure out that whole flying sequence. It reminded me of something out of Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of that <laughs> And too. then I decided they really wanted to show off their 3D model of London. Uh, yeah. But hey, it was cool. And so. yeah. the pinnacle of it, Big Ben, Big which ben. was at, take a guess, what time? Was it 8.15 at said, that point? Right? Yeah, it was 8.15 when Bay left. Uh, it was at 8.15. So Bay gets carried to Neverland by the shadow. Neverland being a land that does have magic. Ours being a land that doesn't or shouldn't. Shouldn't. Which we'll get into that later. But Captain Hook and Smee were there, which makes perfect sense. Because they went there after Rumpel killed Mila. Okay, let's talk about that timeline. Mm -hmm. So, Hook in Neverland, we don't think had met Mila yet? No, this he definitely did because he was called Hook and he had a hook, which he didn't get until after he lost Mila. So... And, he, and Smee is there with him, and he didn't hire Smee until after the events of the Crocodile episode. Okay. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I was thinking that that all happened after Bay was gone, but that's not correct. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. Okay, Wait, never mind. It all makes all, sense now. All what? All the stuff with Mila and chopping off the hand. and That did happen after Bay was gone. Mila first left when Bay was a little boy. Yes. Rumpelstiltskin became the dark one. Then, and so this is years later. Uh, Bay is about 14, you know, turning 14. The Ogre's War, the first Ogre's War. Um, then he becomes the dark one. The, um, around that time is okay, then when yes. Bay goes through the bean hole. Then Hook is back. That episode sandwiched that, another. Yeah. That's what keeps throwing me off. Right. Mm. So then Rumpelstiltskin took Mila's heart, crushed it in front of Hook, mm-hmm. cut off Hook's hand. Hook becomes Hook. And then he goes to Neverland. So then that means that the events that happen between the return and the crocodile, between when Bay went down the beanhole and when Hook cut off, or when Rumpelstiltskin cut off Hook's hand, that's about six months or so, fairytale land time, because then... Shortly after that, four weeks after that, so six months plus four weeks, that's seven months. Seven months after Bay went through the bean hole, he is living with the Darling family and he meets the Shadow. And after a couple days of seeing the Shadow, he goes to Neverland. To Hook, Hook could feel like he's been in Neverland for a year up to this point. He could be fully established in Neverland up to this point because of the time difference. Okay, so... Could have built his ship... When we saw Hook go to Neverland, was oh. it the first time that he'd been there, do we think? I'm thinking it is. Any idea? Well, then how do you know it existed? Well, he probably just knew. <laughs> okay. Never mind my comment about building a ship, because he had that beforehand. Yeah. That's how he got to Never- Neverland. Right. Yeah, he used a magic bean, threw it in the water. Yeah. Went down it with the ship. Like a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that helps. 
that helps. I was trying to basically to figure out if Bay ran into his mother at some point in Neverland, yeah. but that wouldn't have been. But that does bring up a great point that Jeff emailed in about. He said, Hook and Bay meeting in Neverland makes me wonder if Bay knows Rumpel killed his mother. I think he doesn't. The only thing worse than his father breaking his deal and abandoning him would be knowing that he might have been reunited with his mother if it weren't for his father. Mm. I think Hook knows because he seems smart enough to connect the dots between Bay, Rumpel, and Mila, assuming, of course, that Bay is the one who tells Hook about the dagger that can defeat the Dark One. If Hook didn't reveal this information to Bay, it makes me wonder if he's holding onto it for some purpose. I could see that as the final blow to disrupting the relationship with Rumpelstiltskin and his son. Hook saying, hey, Neil, he killed your mom. <laughs> or yeah. Bay or Peter, yeah. whatever yeah. he called him. <laughs> yes, I stole her first, but that's beside the point. Ooh. I'm going to add to my theory. I'm going to... I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> Is it Storybrooke or it's, London? It's Neverland-related. Um, Neverland okay, go, go ahead and share Hang it. Or do you need I want to okay. write this down while, first. While you're writing that down, I'll move on with one other piece of feedback here we have uh, about Peter Pan and Balefire. <laughs> this is from Zara or Zyra. Sorry, I, I don't know quite how to pronounce your name. I'm going to go with Zyra. My theory is that Bellfire, when he went to Neverland, bonded with the Lost Boys and eventually saved them from the Shadow. He did so by binding the Shadow to himself. In effect, the Shadow became his, and he, in a sense, became Peter Pan. That way, he was able to leave Neverland and able to take the children home. That's a wonderful theory. Hmm. Would you like to hear mine? Yes. <laughs> Uh, when, when Hook met Bay, we didn't, we didn't see them like talking and it was just, welcome to the Jolly Roger. I think Bay, I think it would be hilarious if Bay called himself Peter to Hook and that's how he became Peter Pan. <sighs> okay. And after that, <laughs> here's what I think is going to happen. I think Bay will defeat the shadow with Hook's help. Maybe. But I do like the binding himself to the shadow a little bit better. Okay. And he'll become Peter Pan and save all the children. Some will be orphans and want to stay with Bay Pan, thus becoming his lost boys. He has no family to miss. This puts him in the perfect position to save all the children being held in Neverland against their will. Mm. Plus, he already knows one thing that could help him defeat the shadow. Firelight and maybe water? Mm. I don't know. Mm. So I was just thinking along those lines, but I kind of like the binding the shadow to himself and able to leave and take the children back and stuff. Do you remember in the episode Tallahassee while Hook and Emma were climbing the beanstalk, Hook referred to the Lost Boys and he said that he recognized in their face that their uh, pain of losing someone. Mm. And he saw that in Emma's face too. And the way Hook said that almost sounded like compassion. Mm-hmm and sympathy for them. But he never said anything about saving them, which uh, if, if he wanted to win Emma's heart, which he was certainly flirting with her a lot, then that could be something he could say. And Oh, by the way, I saved all the lost boys, but then again, he doesn't have to say it. So yeah, it could go either way. I don't think there's enough evidence in that little bit that could say that could deny Jenny's theory. 
Yeah, what he said didn't say, hey, I was great friends with the Lost Boys, or hey, guess what? I killed a bunch of the Lost Boys, or... <laughs> yeah, it was just, I saw pain was, in their yeah, eyes. Yeah, I killed the Lost Boys. <laughs> <laughs> they were my enemies. It didn't really say if they were friends or enemies of books. That wasn't mm. enough information. Did you notice in the, we'll call it the nursery, <laughs> we'll call it in that room, <laughs> in London there was... On the window, the top had kind of a ship design, looked sort of like the Jolly Roger. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that too. Very similar. At first, I just thought, oh, it's a ship. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. It looks just like the one that Herc is using. Or Wendy said it was called Neverland because they were never allowed to leave. Yeah. yeah. I think that's going to change. They better show us fairies and mermaids. That's all I've got to say. In, in the official <laughs> podcast, Kitsis and Horowitz said that they wanted to tell this story for a long time. And they had to work out things like the rights, the copyrights with the um, the hospital that owns the rights for Peter Pan. And we talked about this some in the initial reactions. Maybe they could only get rights to some of these things. But they've had this in mind of telling the story in a different way, like they've been doing with a lot of the things of Once Upon a Time. And certainly, this mm-hmm. is a lot darker version of Neverland, mm-hmm. which I think that's kind of cool. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a lot more mystery and danger to it than this happy-go-lucky place where kids just run around doing whatever they want because there are no adults to tell them what to do. <laughs> or grown-ups, that is. Grown-ups. So, Bay is there with Hook. And that's how Bay and Hook met. That's how Bay learned how to pilot the ship. Because Hook probably taught Bay, probably kept him there on board. Yeah, he could be a cabin boy mm-hmm. for a little while. <laughs> like a few hundred years. <laughs> because he was there until he came back to our world when he started aging again. So we have no idea when Bay came back to our world. Maybe we'll see that in the finale episode. No idea when. Well, he because probably came back, what, 20 years ago? Well, we don't know Based exactly how old is, he well, we is. we don't. We yeah. Don't. But yeah, it's probably about <laughs> 20 years ago or 14 years ago or 10 ah! years ago. We don't know how old he was when he met Emma. Sorry, I just, I, I had an epiphany. <laughs> oh, well. Um, the reason why Neil's a crook could have a lot to do with you know, being around pirates. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's true. One other thing is that it's possible, let's see, if Bay was 14 when he met Emma. Well, this goes back to the age differential between he and Emma. But I'm wondering if when the Dark Curse was activated, it took Smee from Wonderland into Storybrooke. Mm. Uh, Hook was back in Enchanted Forest before the curse hit. He left Smee, I guess, in Wonderland. Maybe Smee stepped on the land. But in the episode, I can't remember which one it was. Well, yeah, it was the crocodile. In the crocodile, Smee said, I was in Neverland when the curse hit. And he didn't know where Herc was. Hmm. Herc was being protected by Korra. Um, did I say Wonderland? You did. <laughs> I meant Neverland. <laughs> Sorry. So everything I just said about Wonderland, however many times I said it, I meant Wonder, uh, <laughs> Neverland. <laughs> One of those lands. Yeah. So, let's, stop, let's lop off the land and just start calling them Never and Wonder. <laughs> so, the land of Never and the land of Wonder. <laughs> I'm wondering if when the curse hit, if it also took Bay from Neverland, but because 
of how different he was to everyone else who was there and everything else. Maybe it dropped him outside of Storybrooke instead of brought him to Storybrooke. We've, we've talked about this idea a little bit before. I can't imagine that what? happening. I mean, that does explain how he got back to our world. He could have just sewn the, the shadow to himself and mm-hmm. come back when he wanted to. Yeah, that's certainly another idea. Maybe or, he was like, I want to grow up. Then again, <laughs> remember, if he didn't touch his feet on the soil of Neverland, then he's not bound by the shadow. So he could have found some other way to get back to our world, while Hook found some way to get back to Enchanted Forest, where he met up with Korra. Well, that's a clever theory. I'm not sure I like it. <laughs> it's clever, though, because he hasn't touched land yet. Mm-hmm. But I like that he'll become Peter Pan. I wanted to become Peter Pan. I wanted to defeat the shadow <laughs> or somehow take the shadow's power. That would be ironic, because his dad is the dark one. <laughs> And it's kind of like a shadow, because <laughs> the yeah. shadow's dark. Or maybe he does something that turns the shadow into a wraith, or, if they're somehow related. Uh, maybe they're weird. distant cousins. Maybe the shadow is a child wraith. <laughs> oh my Could be. That just never grew up, because it's <laughs> oh a neverland. The, the body is that of a young boy. It is. Of the shadow. With yes. bright glowing eyes. But then again, it can change forms. So what we're seeing may not be its true form. That's <sighs> something to keep in mind. Oh, well. Get off the wraith. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we move on, I want to thank some people that made this episode of Once Podcast possible. David Newland, DJ Firewolf, and Christina Haley, also known as Fire Annika, have donated to make this episode of Once Podcast possible. We really appreciate your support because without your financial support, we really would not be able to do the podcast. It costs a lot to host the podcast, not just in the equipment we use, but to run the website, to run the forums, to host the MP3 files. All of that stuff does cost money. All the domains we have to have to protect the podcast cost money. So we really appreciate the support. And without you, we wouldn't be able to do this. So David, DJ, and Christina, thank you so much for your sponsorship of this episode of Once Podcast. If anyone else would like to sponsor an episode and donate to be like co-producers with us, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And you can sign up there to be a regular monthly contributor like DJ Firewolf and David Newland have, or you can make a one-time donation just like Christina did. It's up to you. And there are many different options there that you can check out at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Thank you so much for your support. Let's move on to... Storybrook, what's left of it at the moment <laughs> what? it it starts out with Neil and Tamara waking up and the little crash of some glass outside and hook I mean not hook, but rumple broke I don't know a glass was dropped, maybe they were right outside <laughs> of yeah, the he- rabbit hole. He said that Dr. Whale only looked at Lacey. What broke? Whenever you beat someone up from a distance, it sounds like breaking glass. <laughs> it's possible that Dr. Whale was has a holding jaw. a glass. This yeah. was right outside of the rabbit hole, the bar. So he might have had a glass he was drinking it's and then Dr. Whale knocked him down. He, I really well, hope not. Dr. <laughs> Whale was drinking at the hospital. He's probably drinking any time. Hey, wait a minute. It was 6 a.m. What in the heck were they all doing? They didn't look like they'd been out all night. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Dr. Yeah, but- Whale was apparently staring at Belle 
Yeah. <laughs> and it, it wasn't dark. It was bright outside at 6 a.m., mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But because of that, Mr. Gold got to say one of my favorite lines to Dr. Whale. <laughs> Kiss my boot! <laughs> yeah, he's got some pride issues. <laughs> Lacey just was standing there kind of like, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's really enjoying this. She's a bad, bad influence. But even Mr. Gold knows that Neil has feelings for Emma. Because he said that Neil's marriage to Tamara wouldn't work so long as Neil was holding, carrying a torch for Emma. Right. Yeah, there's so much there. It's like... Neil would remember the whole, well, potentially, it's been kind of a long time, but he would remember the whole kiss my boot thing. He was there. So first he's seen his father. It's just getting it confirmed. He's actually sunk to that level, which he had kind of seen before. But uh, actually, the last time he heard him say that probably was when he first appeared as the Dark One. Rumble Stiltskin just can't have everything he wants. Hmm. Unless it became a favorite phrase of his after that. <laughs> he got his son back, but he lost Belle. And now he's getting Belle back and he's lost his son. And his son said that he doesn't care about his dad. Uh, Neil said that the only reason he's there is for Henry. Yeah. He, Gold is acting like a high schooler. Yeah. Like, like not a smart high schooler either. He's like, just into this... Impress the girl. Yeah. Impress the girl. He spends all his time with her, not doing anything of any importance. (laughs) He hasn't even spent time with his son that he spent only several hundred years trying to find. But Um, he ignores him now because of the town tramp. Or that nobody remembers that way because that's not who she was. But and he even knows that's not who she is. But she is now. That is kind of crazy that he spent such a long time trying to find his son, and now he's just throwing all that away. Maybe he's realizing he can have magic and Lacey, or he can give up magic and give up Lacey and have Bay. And he's addicted to his power. He's a coward. He wants his power, and he wants it more than he wants his son back. Hmm. Or he could just be putting on a show for Lacey in order to try and win her love so that she'll kiss him and then she'll remember who she is and then he can go back to being good Mr. Gold. I don't think so. I think he's just like, well, what's the point? I'm just going to blah, 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 blah. Because if Lacey loves the Dark One, that is not true love and it will not work. And Mm. I think he knows that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, I think he's just doing what feels good. I mean, look how they're acting. I'm sure they've kissed by this point. (laughs) You think? (laughs) Yeah, but he hasn't really shown that they've kissed yet. So they might not have. Oh, I guess. At Regina's office, David and Emma, Mary Margaret, and Henry discovered that Tamara had broken in. Oh, let's, let's back up. They come in. They find the beans. The, the bean stock. field. They find the bean field. Mm-hmm. And what do they do? They go searching for Regina. Guns out. They come bursting in. Hello, how has this not happened 20 times already <laughs> since the curse was broken? This is how life should have been in this town. They know who did it. They know where she likes to hang out. 
of course they're going to go after her. So I was just, I'm very pleased by that. (laughs) Well, certain times they did try to go after her, but couldn't find her. Like when they thought that she had killed uh, Archie, they did capture her. Yeah. But then she poofed away later on (laughs) and they couldn't find her again to tell her, no, you were framed. Right. When is Snow White going to start believing the intuition of her own daughter? I don't know. I just want to know. Because she's been right about a few things so far. When are, when are people going to start believing her? Maybe after this episode. Although Neil <laughs> is gone now, and we'll talk more about him a little later. But yeah, maybe maybe Snow will realize, and we'll see that in the next episode. Snow I really, will realize you were right. On a side note, I really love all the motherly gestures that I see between Snow and, and Emma. Like yeah. like at the the cannery, as soon as they were leaving, she like brushes her uh, snow brushes emma's arm with her hand and she's i love it i love all that stuff (laughs) yeah i do like to see we wondered i think we theorized and stuff about when the curse is broken how is this relationship going to be because it's uh, emma has grown up mary margaret has not and so they've got to make up for that time but they already (laughs) had a friendship building and now the friendship has deepened a lot more because emma really does seem to be accepting mary margaret as her mother but it was funny even later on with david he was just sitting there with his arm around her when she was you know sort of in shock and he kisses her head and it doesn't seem weird at all no it doesn't like at (laughs) first second it does it's like she's about the same age as you you know (laughs) and then it's like oh they're like father and daughter i think it totally works it was funny for me in the opposite way is like i had to remind myself oh yeah he's not literally old enough to be her father but it does work yeah it does Mm -hmm. they do a good job one thing though that the bean plant was a fake plant (laughs) the prop that they used (laughs) because they showed it so close they didn't get real magic beans (laughs) no that's awful The prop that they used. <laughs> I'm stop. I'm not going to watch the show anymore just because of that. <laughs> they showed it so close in this episode that in the high definition version that we download from iTunes, uh, I could tell that it was a fake plant. Nice, <laughs> but it did once have three beans in it, uh, and we've seen one used. I still Thirteen think more. that little pea pod thing looks like bananagrams, <laughs> only green. <laughs> it just looks like a little bananagram zipper pouch. We still don't know what those are, but that's okay. (laughs) When Tamara and Greg get back together and Tamara gives her a little speech that she said, when this is over, her ring is coming off, her engagement to Neil. I do wonder... Are we watching Once Upon a Time or Revenge? (laughs) Are they really an item? Or is she leading Greg on? Oh, I wondered that too, yeah. I Hmm. think they are. Because now so. we know they are working together. They do both know exactly what's going on. Earlier, we theorized that maybe Greg was only trying to find his dad and Tamara had some other deeper, darker intention. Mm-hmm. But now we know, no, they're partners. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Which I do wonder some things we've seen like in the TV series Heroes and uh, I can't remember the other. Oh, well, yeah. Like in Heroes, they had this thing, one of them, one of us, where they would pair a hero person with special abilities along with a regular person as special agents who would go around. 
I wonder if they do something like that here. One person who can do magic, one person who can't. Probably not, Don't because so. they feel like magic is unholy, which <laughs> that's a big thing we'll talk about a little bit later when we get to that in the scene. Greg confirmed that as a kid, he had seen magic in the town. I don't remember that. He didn't, that we saw. Right. It was kind of frustrating to me. But again, that's the hard thing with TV series. They're so limited on time. They have a hard limit on time. So it could be that he had, they had to cut things. Mm. But then again, the magic he did see is that he knew the town was there. Yeah. He comes back. It's completely gone. Yeah. Never existed. He saw the smoke coming and the town just poof appear. And his oh, dad yeah. was saying this town wasn't here last yeah. night. Well, that's true. That's true. And he saw this weird way that Regina was acting and her magic with the Apple turnovers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that one's stretching. <laughs> so, yeah, he saw some of it, which explains yeah, then how mm-hmm. he was babbling about it later. Before we get too far away from Lacey, are we going we're gonna to talk about Lacey again? No, we're, well... Uh, I hope. Yeah, not. we I'm will. Kidding. We'll okay. get to her in a few minutes. I know we have to. <laughs> One of the odd things that happened here that makes me wonder, and I don't think this is a storyline glitch or like one of those things like how does Storybrooke get its food? I don't think that's one of these th- kinds of things. But Tamara said that she would send, referring to the trigger, she said, I'll send it back with all the data we've collected so far. Yeah, so they do the have a office, headquarters. The home office. Yeah. Home office. I'm, or she might, I wrote down. She did say send it back. Yeah. Yeah, She said field. uh, She said, send it back. But I wondered, does that really mean physically or does it mean just information? I thought it it. did. I thought it did too, but she got it back awfully fast. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're like really close. (laughs) Or because they're so good with science. They use owls. Science more powerful than magic maybe they have some way of teleporting it back and forth mm, that would be weird that's, that would yeah, be kind of weird that's a bit of a stretch that's bringing like magic extra science fiction into this which we've seen science fiction used because of dr whale maybe they have enslaved magical creatures to take this evidence quickly from place to place or they use some magic themselves mm. to get things back and forth how would they do that i don't think so i don't yeah i but in any case, she said that she would send it back with other data they've collected. Yes. So that's like all the stuff that they've collected around town, all the magic, mm-hmm. all everything that they know about Storybrooke. And they are following a plan with multiple phases to this plan. Did it make anybody else nervous when she threw the trigger into the same bag as the magic beans? Oh, I didn't <laughs> even think about that. I was like, what is that yeah. combination gonna do but yeah that's really nothing mm-hmm. you know what i think is they're gonna um <laughs> i think they're gonna have to i think this trigger is gonna have to be like broken like smashed or mm. thrown down like a bean in order for it to work i think that's how it's gonna work i'm thinking the thrown down thing but the smashing is a good idea too well it's a trigger for a fail safe so what's the where's the fail safe mm. it could be something inside the mausoleum regina's vault Maybe it's maybe. like maybe it's like a gigantic um, portal that goes nowhere, and it's gonna suck in the town as soon as it's broken. Like, yeah, yeah, I could, I Ooh. could see something like that. But if too. somebody throws a bean into that portal, they could <laughs> redirect everything. Somewhere. Then the entire universe collapses. Jeremy, don't uh. go there. Oh, gosh, 
Sorry. <laughs> I'm always doing that. Hook wasn't actually interested in assisting torturing Regina. No. He but he also wasn't queen, interested in stopping it. As he calls it. He's, he's a bad her. guy. Yeah. He's just, but he's not that bad. He's so not. as to assist in the torture. <laughs> he's, because, he's got his own plan to be bad. Yeah. He wants to still <laughs> extract exact revenge on Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. And Greg called all of that. This is how we deal with your kind. Mm-hmm. Does that mean it wasn't simple electroshock like it appeared? Was it kind of based on the same technology as the taser? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, the taser. It was a giant taser. Oh, no, there was a giant taser. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you think they'll, they'll follow through on their deal with Hook? Do you think they will? Or do you think they're done with him and they won't help him? Um, hmm. They they might be done with him. I think Hook if they if they don't follow through, I think Hook will become <laughs> like a good guy in trying to exact revenge on these people who are who claimed that they were going to help him exact revenge upon Maybe. his enemy. Now you know the whole thing about using electricity to um, hurt her and the taser thing. Remember the episode "Selfless, Brave, and True." We received an email from Omar who said this. Tomorrow kind of reminds me of paladins. If you saw the movie Jumper, the paladins were old religious or- were an old religious organization that tracked down and killed the jumpers who had the power to jump between anywhere that they could see in a picture. Maybe Tomorrow is part of an old organization that tries to keep magic out of our world. The paladins in Jumper used used to electrocute people just like Tomorrow does. Owen may have joined with them because of what happened to his father. Interesting. That email was sent on March 26th by Omar. Good call, Omar. Hmm. Good call. Jumper hmm. is a cool movie. If you guys should see it. I mean, it's pretty cool. So hmm. Owen may have joined with them because of what happened to his father. Yeah. And now Henry, who has previously been heard saying, I want to destroy magic, may join with them because of what happened to his father. Even though they caused it, but they can leave that part out. It was still <laughs> magic. Uh you know, that thing that I said about Hook earlier makes me think of the phrase, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, I don't really accept that. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we talked about that a little bit in the initial reactions. That's why I'm saying that that Greg and. Hmm. It works in a one dimensional universe. Or two dimensional universe, that is no one dimensional. Well, either way, <laughs> they're getting in his way. So I think he'll try and hurt them because they're not helping him. So forget the enemy of enemy, my friend comment, because they aren't really his friends. Unless we do see them somehow help him, or maybe he'll realize their plan is to destroy Storybrooke. Maybe he doesn't know that part. And then he starts fighting against them, not wanting. Doesn't he know that part? I don't think he does. Hmm. Who, Henry? No, hook. Uh, hook. Knowing about the trigger. I don't think so. They just figured it out themselves. Oh. He was already gone. Even during this first part of the torture on Regina, she continued to lie about Kurt Flynn. And I'm thinking maybe it's because she thought if she told Greg the truth about his dad, that he would just outright kill her. Then. True. So she was trying to prolong it, trying to hmm. figure out if she could save herself, not realizing what was happening or what would be happening. Back to Mr. Gold's shop. Lacey and Mr. Gold are there having their own little party with a bottle 
of McCutcheon whiskey. <laughs> really? Nice. Yeah, which is a lost reference wow. there. And there are some other lost references, too, that some of our listeners sent in. We'll share those later. Do you think she just stays in a state of drunkenness? <laughs> Pretty much. She drinks a whole lot. It seems she's almost always with a bottle or a glass of yeah. something. Yep. It does. How does she not, like, throw up all the time? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but the spell that Gold used fulfilled his favor that he owed to David. So now that's released. Why does he have one of Regina's tears? Yeah. <laughs> How did he get one of Regina's tears? Well, we got a short suggestion from Isabel. She said... Rumpel has one of Regina's bottled tears. My theory is that he got this when Regina was an infant in the as of yet untold part two to the Cora slash Rumpel Stiltskin backstory. Awesome. Maybe. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> he sure does think ahead. <laughs> you know, I think I might need one of these tears someday. <laughs> so someday, Jenny, when we have a baby, baby I'm going to bottle their tears. Just in case we might need them. That's not creepy at all. Yeah, that's... Okay. Um, (laughs) You guys will love to talk about that later. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good luck keeping them from evaporating. Also, in this scene, it cuts a little bit, but basically we're here. When Belle, or Lacey, overheard the discussion, she realizes, wow, you really can do magic. So she pours herself another glass. (laughs) And Rumpelstiltskin starts showing off what magic he can do. <laughs> showing off. That's good. Good words for it. And he gave her a necklace. This necklace, did you recognize it? It's actually the exact same necklace that Belle had a dream about back in the episode, The Crocodile. In that episode early on, Belle was dreaming that Rumpelstiltskin or Mr. Gold gave her this necklace. And then... Um, Leroy, grumpy, came into Gold's shop and was getting really angry. And then Gold turns into Rumpelstiltskin as he's choking Leroy with the axe. You remember that dream now? I remember. Yes, I just didn't recognize the necklace. That necklace is the exact same necklace that Belle dreamed about then and that Rumpelstiltskin just poofed out there Mm -hmm. for her. Coincidence? Nah. (laughs) So he looked at her dreams? That's creepy, too. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, you know. No, it could be just something that he already had in his shop that she had seen, and that he just kind of poofed it into his hands. We've seen him do that before. <laughs> like when he took the bow, Robin's bow, mm-hmm. in uh, the last episode, Lacey. I assume he took that from Robin Hood. Robin Hood actually had his bow with him, and just poof, it's gone, and then Rumpelstiltskin has it. We've seen him do that technique many times before. Just take something from someone or just dapperate something or someone. Oh, now you're places. using Harry Potter terms. <laughs> I think they've been used elsewhere too. But <laughs> Lacey is interested in never dying, being immortal. Yeah. She's interested in magic in general. And I mm-hmm. have a thought. What is it? She seems intrigued by power and magic. I wonder... If that's going to be a problem with Rumpelstiltskin in the future, will she be too power hungry for either of their good? Hmm. She's kind of looking like a young Cora more and more. All she needs to say is teach me. <laughs> mm, yeah. Oh, what if we mm. hear that in the next episode? She wants to live forever. And he said he could do that. Mm-hmm. But in back in the episode, The Crocodile, he said only to Smee when Smee said, 
that he wanted eternal life. Well, he probably didn't want to help me yeah. as much as he wants to help Lacey. But then again, the wording... She said, keep me young. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe what he's thinking is he can just keep turning back the clock oh, that's true. every yeah. couple days. Yep. He could. <laughs> be like, Rumple, we haven't turned my age back in like a week and I'm starting <laughs> to feel kind of run down. Did you do something about <laughs> that's that? That's kind of like a Tangled thing. You remember, have you watched <laughs> Tangled yet? Yeah. A long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, on your point, do you think she might actually start lusting after the powers of the dark one and maybe try to kill him with the dagger. You know, I, I kind of felt like, like that might happen because she's, she's a bad girl. She might want power. She might want, she might Hmm. want what she sees Rumpelstiltskin doing. She might want to be able to be badder. (laughs) I hadn't thought of that possibility for the wording. He didn't say, that might have been some foreshadowing. He didn't say magic has its advantages. He said being the dark one yeah. has yeah. its perks. Yeah. She might see that and want it. But that seems like such a rabbit trail. Yeah. Not it does to make kind a of. Wonderland pun, but <laughs> <laughs> it, it could give us a really shocking twist, though. Yeah. And she's also encouraging him to now kill the child of the prophecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and she is she is leading him to do every bad thing he could possible. He said that something is standing in his way of killing the prophesied it's one. Family. And yeah, his idea that well, he realizes that it's family and maybe Neil wanting to win Neil back is standing in his way. Yeah, that that could yeah. But now that Neil is gone. Well, he cares. He cares. Rumpelstiltskin cares that he still cares a little bit about his mm-hmm. son. Yeah, he was being glib, but he kind of kept throwing things out there why everything was fine. And he wasn't really, he never said, I don't care about you. He just was like, eh, I didn't bother to meet Tamara because she's not going to matter and yeah. stuff like that. And really, how many days has it been? Not many. It hasn't been that long. Maybe a week or so. Hard I have another thought to add about mm-hmm. Lacey. I'm wondering what will happen if she returns to the Enchanted Forest as Lacey. Oh, that would be weird. That would be weird. Hmm. Yeah. If we see them all return to the Enchanted Forest. And if she's back there as Lacey, I wonder what that's going to be like. When Emma came to Neil's room and started searching through things and they went on that trail then to check the beach there was some great dialogue between emma and neil here and uh very painful when when she says this to neil what do you want to hear neil that it killed me you never came looking for me even once i was locked up that it didn't hurt that you found tallahassee with someone else she brought Tallahassee into it. She yeah. did. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then after Tamara comes and kind of just shows up and uh, calms some concerns there, then Neil and Emma kind of have this little makeup moment almost or kind of establishing where they were or their actual mutual regrets sort of. I wanted to go to jail for you. 
feel... It kills me that I let August talk me into letting you go. I don't want to hear no, it. Okay, but I have to say it. I wanted to love you. I just... I, I was too afraid. Notice the music in the background. Of what? She would never forgive me. You'll hear their love theme. Because I never forgave myself. <laughs> Just a moment. There hasn't been a day that's gone by that I don't regret having left you. I'm sorry, Emma. Here it goes. For everything. Me too. That tiny little bit of piano right right there is part of the Emma and Neil theme, mm-hmm. which I think is when they both, right here is when they both started realizing, I actually do love you still. <laughs> but with Tamara being there, it makes me wonder, how did she know to be there? We she probably about- saw them through the window. Mm-hmm. But... The cannery is quite a ways away, and there were trees around. I don't think Maybe she could she have seen. Maybe she had cameras. That's an odd place to have cameras. Might be one well, of those. Well, they're trying to hide. I guess you could have a tracking device, yeah. or it could be one of those strange little logistical issues that I kind of have to not look at. <laughs> well, here's my thinking. I I came up with three or well, two reasons, and also one slight confirmation of this. Okay. Or of one of these, at least. Um, one is maybe, like you were saying, maybe there's a bug or tracking device on Neil. And mm-hmm. so wherever Neil is going, which the son of Rumpelstiltskin, bug him, and she could hear maybe everything of Rump- that Rumpelstiltskin says. Oh, that's true. Or maybe there's some kind of hidden camera in her room. Maybe she knew that what Emma and Neil had said. So right. like she knew when Emma and Neil... Or when Emma broke in the first time. And that would make the most sense. And if if she heard or saw the time that Emma broke in the first time, that's when Emma said something about her thing with lying. And in this conversation that Tamara had on the beach with Emma and Neil, Tamara never told a lie. Well, the running, the whole running story was a lie. Yeah, but what she said to Emma right there, she did not tell a lie. So I'm wondering if somehow through someone being bugged or a hidden camera being somewhere, I'm wondering if that's how Tamara knows Emma can tell when someone's lying. So don't lie to Emma. Well, actually, the funny thing about bringing all that up is that it depends on how it works. Do they really have to say the words? Because she clearly pretended not to know that Regina was missing, not to know where she was. She was offering to help, which, of course, is completely disingenuous. So... It was kind of all a big lie, really. Hmm. Which Emma, I mean, she was she had reason to be emotional there, so I guess maybe her superpower failed again. But. <laughs> yeah, that could be true. You know, you could have something there with the with the bugged their room kind of thing because mm-hmm. at least then she'd know about the sand. Well, she she basically said what Neil said. Maybe she just likes running on the beach. Maybe she started out in the woods and then went to the beach. Yeah, that was the other odd thing. Later, she said that to Greg. She said, they think I was just running on the beach. 
or, or something like that. But well, I yeah. mean, she said that. Yeah. She said that to them. But yeah. she she told oh, it's just we don't have enough evidence to know yeah. that the the room is bugs because she said that she was gonna run in the woods and he said she was gonna run in the woods and then Emma found the sand and or Neil yeah. being bugged or Emma could be bugged herself because remember Emma and Tamara did bump into each other yeah but on a different day right yeah different day but maybe uh, was it the same jacket I don't know mm. could have been the same jacket mm. and. Maybe Tamara placed a bug or a tracker on Emma. <laughs> Emma. <laughs> I think it makes most sense for the room to be bugged. Maybe. Mm. I think so. Because... I don't know if we'll ever know. All because... the conversations they've had that she would know about, that she seems to know about, or that she could know about... Why would Tamara bug her Happened in the room. In the room. Just to know... Just to keep tabs on Neil. Yeah, Make sure right, he doesn't find out. They were sharing a room. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because so he said basically what she said. I started out in the woods and then I went to the beach. Yeah. Maybe she just likes running on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so then Tamara comes back in and we get so much information from Tamara and Greg. I, I know there, there are a lot of other questions this raised, but I'm really happy with how much information they gave us. I've got a couple clips here from this, and just let me know. I'll, I'll play through these, and we can talk through them. Let me know if you want to pause, and we can uh, talk through some of these bits. Uh, so first, they're talking to Regina, and they they just really spill <laughs> the beans on this. Get the pun. Yeah. Anyway, got someone it. out there does. They spill the beans on this and really explain things. Stealing magic. <laughs> That's what you think we're here to do. Which, by the way, that's what we thought. I know I thought that at one point that yeah, Tamara might have been power there to hungry, steal. But she's not. She wants to cleanse the land of unholy magic. August also thought that Tamara wanted to steal the magic. Which makes me think. Crap, I just lost my thought. <laughs> I'll Tamara stole get it. back with that. I'll get back with that. Makes me think maybe. We're not here to steal magic. We're here to destroy it. Magic does not belong in this world. It's unholy which makes me think, what does magic do to our world? What does it do? Well, what does it do? Well, her calling it unholy makes it seem like a religious thing. Tying back to Omar's email from more than a month ago about the movie Jumper and the Paladins were a religious group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there have been many bad things in the world's history committed under the rel- name of religion. Quite often, it is a misinterpretation of things, um, but there have been many things like you know referred to as holy wars mm-hmm. and such. So it was really odd that she called magic unholy, not just it doesn't belong here, but unholy. That was a odd right. thing to throw in. Well, it kind of makes sense because people with power, like magical people, probably get worshipped in some way. Ah. Good point. So they just, they want to get rid of it because they don't believe in it. And in some way, the people with magic can force others into servitude because they have more control than anyone else. Mm. We're here to cleanse this land of it. (laughs) Again, cleanse this land with it. Of it. Of it, yeah. What a phrase to use. Not just get rid of magic. 
but cleanse this land as if well, it's something it's, dirty. Yeah, it is, it's messy mm-hmm. because some people have magic, some people don't. So it just makes everything really messy. Yeah. And, and something that they have some reason more than just it's not fair. Something deeper going on. And then Greg also goes into a lot of detail about his backstory and filling in the blanks from what happened between this and the episode Welcome to Storybrooke. Oh, we're, we're everywhere, Regina. By the way. Everywhere. That would be how they would get everything to them so fast. Yeah. And spies. I wonder if they've had a spy in Storybrooke. A couple of the other Once Upon a Time podcasts, I think Greetings from Storybrooke and maybe uh, Jeff and Colleen Roney's Once Upon a Time fan podcast theorize that maybe Dr. Whale has been a spy. Since Why? he's a guy of science over magic. I, I think it would be someone else. If there As was in a recruited spy. recently or? or some, I don't know. Because he, yeah, was definitely part of the curse and they didn't know about the town apart from... Greg and his father, so... Hmm. But they've got a bunch of people all over the place. Everywhere, as I said. It's a large organization, apparently. Maybe. Keeping magic out. Now, the music behind this, listen to both what they're saying and also the music behind this. It's a theme that's come up several times in this episode that when they... When Mark Isham composes a theme... For something or someone, it gives me the impression that this is going to be something important and something that in some way, this is going to be a major part, not just of only this episode, but for episodes to come. And so there's this theme in the background, this dun, 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 dun. Well, I'm doing badly at imitating <laughs> Why don't you just play it? Yeah, but so listen to that and listen to what they're saying as we'll discuss what they're okay. saying. See, after I left Storybrooke as a boy, I was babbling about magic, about what I had seen and what had happened to my father. Now, most folks, they they wrote me off, but some didn't. By the way, very similar to what we and some of our listeners have predicted about he goes out saying, hey, I was in this magical town and so many people write him off and maybe put him in an institution or something. We theorized that uh, Mm -hmm. and some of our listeners did too. Uh, But it turns out someone else heard. And similar to how August uh, was heard by that guy and discovered that he needed a magical cure. Mm. And they found me. They. Believers. There's that word again. Believers. Mm -hmm. That's what Wendy called... Bay back in London. Mm-hmm. She said, or or actually the boys said, you're not a believer. You just don't believe. Yeah. So this, I think, yeah, tying in some things with Wendy, maybe. Maybe not. That's a good, good theory. People that know that magic is real. And that it doesn't belong in this world. And are willing to do something about it. This little quest of yours. Magic doesn't belong in this world. Bay said that to Wendy back in London. Mm-hmm. To cleanse the world of magic. It's not going to work. No, of course it will. We've done it before, and we'll do it again. I'm wondering what that was. Yeah. 
We've done it before. We'll do it again. I wonder if we'll get to see that. It, it could have something to do with the whole Neverland incident and uh, Bay it, back then. I think it needs to be bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because as an organization, that's what he's saying. We've done it before. And that wasn't an organization. It was just mm-hmm. the well, Darling yeah. family and Bay. I've seen little things like the dragon. Mm-hmm. One other thing to consider that we've not seen, we've only heard referenced, Dorothy. In the episode, The Doctor, um, Jefferson and Rumpelstiltskin were talking about the ruby slippers, or the slippers, mm-hmm. and Jefferson said those have already been moved to another land, and Rumpel said that's the land he wanted to go to, the land without magic, so the slippers came back to our land, maybe... They brought some more magic with them, and that's something else that this organization had to take care of and yeah. rid the world of. Hmm. Yeah, that's very, very possible. So there could be some kind of dark story, dark side to Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Uh-huh. Maybe Dorothy was with the organization. Dang, that could be too. <laughs> Do you think that Storybrooke is the first time that magic has crossed over? Magic has been doing its damage for a long time. And people like us? We're here to stop it. So a long time. How long? I don't know. But from when Bay popped into London to now is 150 to 200 years. That's what I'm thinking. Well, 150 to 250 to 225 years or so. Somewhere around there. (laughs) It could be something like that. So that is a long time. That's a couple or a few generations, actually, of removing magic from this world. Hmm. And so then this brings up the whole thing of the home office and who in the world is the home office. Emma, our listener, Emma sent in an idea. She said, I've been listening to your most recent initial reactions for second star to the right. And I love the idea that Wendy could have set up the home office. I thought it might interest you to know that here in the United Kingdom, the home office is a real department responsible for the following. Immigration, and Emma suggests magic coming in and out. Security could have been set up to ward off the shadow. And threats threats to law and order. Wendy could have seen magic, could have only seen mad, dark magic as unholy. She continues saying, I think that Wendy could have started a mission to find her world's lost children who have had their families ripped apart by this dark shadow and possible other dark beings. And a name that Jenny will love, one of our listeners, Ariel, Hmm. suggested, if Wendy returned to Neverland in search of Bay, she wouldn't age and could still be alive in the present day. She could have made it her mission to kill magic because she sees the way it can do such damage. Then it's plausible that she's somehow connected to Tamara, Greg, and the home office. I think implying, Ariel is implying that Wendy might still be alive today. That would be really cool to see. An older Wendy who is fighting off magic. I'd love that. But using magic herself in order to stay alive. Or has used magic to stay alive. So really, 
Interesting. I really want to see this in the next episode. I want to see the home office. I want to see what this organization is. And I wonder if this is going to carry over into season three. I as predict well. that we won't meet anybody from the home office until season three. That's yeah, what I predict. That, that could be. I hope not. <laughs> I hope we meet someone earlier. I think we're just going to see what the trigger does in the next episode. That's my prediction. Boom. That's what it does. I think. I think that... Yeah, it's going to leave us with a bunch of new questions. Mm-hmm. Now, on the idea of uh, ju- jumping back for a moment, on the idea of Rumpel and Henry, our listener Jackie sent in an email suggesting, or saying, during the scene with Rumpel and Lacey, Rumpel said someone was preventing him from getting rid of the boy who would be his undoing, whom he thinks is Henry. If he believed that Neil is dead, there is nothing holding him back any longer. So Henry's life could now be in very grave danger. Oh, that's well, and good. Henry may well actually be a threat if for some reason he joins in on the mission to destroy magic. He certainly mm. wants to. He, he even tried taking the dynamite to yeah. mm-hmm. uh, the well. Yeah. Which... Maybe that's where the diamond has to be taken. Ooh, wouldn't that be cool if Henry got a hold of that chocolate diamond? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I don't know. So Regina's going to have her power back now. Mm -hmm. She's restored. Well, Will be. Just before that, she told Kurt, she told Greg where Kurt was buried. And he goes, he digs, he digs up the red jacket and he finds some bones. You think that's Kurt? It could be. I don't know who else it would be, hmm. but it's kind of weird. It is kind of weird. It could be anybody, but I mean, it makes me think that it is Kurt. Mm-hmm. I think she was telling the truth, just like in uh, a couple episodes ago when we saw Regina back in fairy tale land almost executed, and in her last moments. She's all strong and evil. And I think, Jeremy, you might have brought this up in the initial reactions. Or Jenny? (laughs) Yeah, you brought that up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And so, again, here, she's all wants to go out in flames of or blaze of glory and see her revenge exacted or her her magical powers exacted on this guy one last moment before she dies. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, the the red jacket was the same one that, or same looking one as what Kurt wore, and I remember the uh, I official. Hope that, I really hope that's not the end of Kurt. Yeah, that will just be sad. I don't want that those bones to be Kurt. I, I think it is. I don't want it. To I be. think we've seen Kurt again. Hmm? <laughs> I, I think we've seen Kurt. I you we, think that's we the wa- end of Kurt. Yeah. Yeah, I really think that's it. That's the, the end of Curtis the story. Now played by him. fake bones <laughs> <laughs> and a torn up jacket. They're a lot cheaper. <laughs> and, and Greg, Greg himself was even convinced that this really was his dad. So maybe there were other things that he dug up and realized this was dad's. This was dad's. This is what he was wearing. All of this. There was so much evidence that maybe he just decided conclusively, just besides the jacket and looking at the bones. That's all he did. That's all he did. We, he just found the the jacket and the skull. That's all we've seen. What we've seen is what he's found. Well, he might have also dug up other stuff before Tamara came no. and found him. Oh, well. He was burying it back when she came. Uh-uh. 
I'm pretty sure he was putting the dirt back. No, he was digging and okay. throwing the dirt far. He was throwing it. He was digging it up. Tamara said that they heard back from the home office about the trigger and she still has the trigger and the home office knows what it does. And the home office wants Greg and Tamara to use the trigger to go on to the next phase. Maybe you have to do it in Storybrooke. Yeah. How could they know? That's my question. Yeah. They have their ways of science. How could they know so fast? They have science. (laughs) Have science, Jeremy. Well, <laughs> Greg, and, Greg and Tamara did bring a bunch of equipment with them, so maybe they had some way of analyzing it. Yeah, they're sending the data over to the home office, and the home office says, "This is what it looks like. We're pretty sure this is what it is yeah, based on had, the data you just sent us." They had all kinds of boxes and crates and stuff mm-hmm. in the truck with Hook. Remember? Yeah, yeah. and oh, yes, I remember. one of those was what the shocking thing was in. Yeah. It was in that kind of box, the black with the silver corner things. Oh, yeah. I think there's somebody shocking in the home office. I kind of like the uh, the idea that Frank, Dr. Frankenstein could be a spy. I kind of like that idea. It would kind of explain how they would how they would get results so fast. Mm. Although our listener Hope suggested maybe she said Victor used his science to try and save lives. Greg and Tamara are using science to destroy life. I would love to see Victor confront them about this. Mm. That'd be kind well, of cool. I mean, Victor was brought up in this episode, so I think that's just kind of alluding to the fact that he, his character isn't finished. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Well, the next phase of Greg and Tamara's plan is to destroy Storybrooke. Now they have an easier way to do it. So they they had this planned all along that they would come, they would do something, and they would destroy Storybrooke. They'd come, gather data, and destroy it. Now they just have a much easier way to do it. I, I thought it was really ironic that Tamara said that they were going to blow Storybrooke off the map, but Storybrooke isn't on any map. <laughs> well, you know, continuing with the, the Victor thought, he still wants to work with his brother, remember? Because mm-hmm. he was asking Regina or Rumpelstiltskin about his brother. Like he wanted to go and finish his work. So he wouldn't really be opposed to the idea of Storybrooke being gone. Yeah, true. Unless it means his dying with Storybrooke. Well, he'd have to figure out some way of getting out without forgetting. Yeah. But it would it, would it affect him? Yeah, it would. Okay. He was cursed, too. Uh, one of our other listeners, Dance Impress, sent in this idea about saving Storybrooke. She, uh, they said, Now that Tamara and Greg have the trigger, it seems that Emma, Snow, and Charming are all relying on just Regina. Regina said that there is no way to stop the failsafe, but what if Regina, the evil queen, Rumpel, the dark one, and Emma, the source of good magic, and or probably the blue fairy, worked together? Wouldn't their combined powers be enough to stop it or at the very least lessen its effects? I don't know. I I really, (laughs) this sounds so morbid, but I want to see Storybrooke (laughs) destroyed because of where that will take the story. I'm not being overly destructive of that, but I want to see how this takes the story along. I want to see everybody back in the Enchanted Forest. Mm -hmm. I want to see them coming. You know, I want want them to, to find their happy endings there. And I want to see... 
Emma and Henry and Neil, all where they should be, which is in the Enchanted Forest. So do you think Neil went to Enchanted Forest? There's no telling where he went because Tamara threw the bean. It looked all green just like everything else. Jeremy, you said nope or was that yup? It was nope, but I really have no reason. I I really think he did. I'd love to see, like I said in the initial reactions, and I still want to see this. I want to see Aurora and Mulan trying to get Philip's soul back and out pops Greg. Maybe even somehow. uh, Where where was this? Oh, let me read this feedback. This (laughs) came from Chris. Uh, Well, he called this in, but here's the summary of it for time's sake. Um, Chris uh, basically pointed out that Cora told Aurora that when a wraith consumes a soul, it travels to another world. And when Neil went through the portal, he was mortally wounded in between life and death. So he could have ended up in the same place as Philip's soul did. It's one, one clever idea. Jed Anderson said, I don't think Neil is dead. And I think he made it to Neverland again because of the never aging quality that this land holds. His gunshot wound might be easier to fix. Or, since Tamara was wielding the bean, she could have just sent him to the home office in a in a jail cell. In a jail cell. <laughs> the jail cell. That's another theory that I can't remember where I saw that, but one of our other listeners had sent in suggesting that. Because there were three beans. Yeah. And, yeah, she could have made it direct anywhere. But I would love to see Neil pop back up in Enchanted Forest. And maybe everyone have to go back there. Maybe he helps get Philip's soul back. Because... I want them to conclude that storyline about Philip. I don't. I I do not care. (laughs) I care a little bit. And I... You can give me one one episode, maybe, let's say, episode 11 next year. Or (laughs) what episode was dreamy in the first season? 14. Okay, that episode 14 next year, we can deal with Philip and Aurora and Mulan. That's fine. Because it's not a very core part of... The whole story, I don't want to see them push that to a, a third season. Mm. Oh, I see. You want to I want to up. see them wrap it up this okay, season. Okay, in that case, I'd like on. to see it two weeks ago. <laughs> okay. Not if the finale. If you get a magic time traveling bean, then we can work <laughs> on that. But I could see uh, Mulan can treat wounds, so maybe she's able to treat Neil. Oh, wouldn't that If be he nice. comes through wounded. I really hope she doesn't steal Emma's guy. <laughs> like she's... I just don't want to see that. Mulan's trouble. She needs to go find her own prince. (laughs) She just does. They need to not go any kind of route, anything like that. The constant, once they say I love you, we have to split them up and keep them apart for a long time. No, don't do that. It's annoying and every show does it, so don't do it. That and stop calling them their storybook names. If we destroy storybook, can we destroy the names Mary Margaret and Mother Superior? I think we should. Which make no sense whatsoever. Let's go pick it. She's not a nun. <laughs> She's a freaking fairy. Quit calling her Mother Superior. Just call her blue like you did in the first part of the season. There, rant over. <laughs> there are some cool lost Easter eggs to this. And Mary pointed out one of them. She said, when Neil was hanging on to Emma to keep from falling through the portal, I felt like I was watching a particular part of Lost, and I'm not going to give this part away, when two characters were in a very similar situation. Of course, uh, some of the roles were a little bit different, and the outcome was a little bit different, but she thought that it was kind of Mm. a little Lost-like. I think it was more a nod to what happened in The Return when Rumpel let go of Bay 
But this time yeah. it was Bay who let go of yeah. Emma in order to save Emma and Henry. And Bay or Neil, when he was falling just before he fell, he said, don't let Henry grow up like we did an orphan. Hmm. Also, Pete Rogers uh, said, interesting connection here. Uh, this might be a little bit of a stretch, but I wanted to, give this shout out anyway because i could see this happening considering who the writers are pete said i like the theory about wendy darling starting the group to destroy magic after thinking about this and how it relates to the tv show lost dharma could have been derived from darling either marriage or joint venture the shadow could have been transformed or had offspring to become the smoke monster on the island in lost and the island in Lost had two immortal people on it. And the island in Lost has magic. Hmm. So that would be cool if they do some kind of little connection like that. Or at some point, if we get to see the home office, they say, oh, yeah, how's the Dharma Initiative going? And there'd just be some like little nod to it or a logo somewhere. And uh. Lost fans would go crazy over that. But uh, we'll, we'll have to see how that goes hey thank you you're so much. spoiling people in the chat room I, i'm trying to not spoil lost some as people much as still want to go back and see lost because of once upon a time yeah. i i avoided the major <laughs> spoilers and specific spoilers yeah i was i almost blurted out when you referred to the magic <laughs> i was blurted it out <laughs> blah 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 Special thanks to Tige Wells, who left a review for us in iTunes by going to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. And Tige said, please give us regular episodes during the summer break. Well, don't worry. We will have some episodes during the summer break. Our schedule will be changing. Uh, we'll probably drop down to a biweekly schedule, and we're going to try and get more cast interviews. Uh, we'll have a Once Upon a Time roundtable with other podcasters coming up on uh, May 22nd at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, GMT minus four. That will be on Google Plus. You don't have to be a member of Google Plus just to watch it, but you would be to participate in the chat room or maybe even join on the call with us. And also, our live episodes that we normally record on Wednesday, like I said, the summer schedule is going to change everything. But for our finale discussion, we've got two episodes of the podcast left to discuss our initial reactions of the final episode and our full discussion. So our initial reactions, we have our chat room going on Sunday nights during the Eastern and Central Time airing of Once Upon a Time. And that's over at oncepodcast.com slash live. Then 15 minutes after the episode finishes, so that's 9.15 Eastern Daylight Time, we do our live initial reactions at that same website, oncepodcast.com slash live. Then on Wednesday next week, we do our live full discussion like we did tonight, but next week, May 15th, the schedule is going to be different because we want to make sure that we have plenty of time to cover everything. We're actually planning to take an intermission during partway through the podcast because we know we'll probably need it. There will be so much to talk about. So for that episode, instead of our normal time, which we've been doing 8.30 Eastern Daylight Time, we plan to start the podcast at 7 o'clock. Eastern Daylight Time, GMT minus four at oncepodcast.com slash live over at or on uh, May 15th. That's Wednesday for us in America. So we'd love to have you part of that finale discussion and the full thing. Lots to discuss and we'll have more to discuss over the summer break too and some fun things that we'll be doing over summer. But that episode will be really cool. So different schedule change and I'll announce that 
later on too. So listeners, we would love to have your feedback on the finale episode, and it might tie in with some things from this episode as well. So keep our feedback information handy. Send your emails to feedback at oncepodcast.com. You can send written or recorded feedback and put in the subject line finale. That will make it easier if you're going to talk about both of these last two episodes, uh, because they're really part one and part two. So if you want to talk about these and connect some things and some theories, then send us the emails with the subject line finale. Or you can also call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or go to oncepodcast.com and on your iOS device or computer and send a voice message right through the website. You can also comment on the show notes for this episode if you want to talk about some of the stuff we brought up in this episode by going to the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 100. It's amazing that we've got 100 episodes <laughs> out now. Really fun. And you can also join our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. If you stick around after we end the podcast uh, for this episode, you'll have the special spoilers from Hunter that you can listen to if you so choose. Jeremy, Jenny, anything else to cover? We talked a lot, and I know we could go so many more directions with theories and talk mm. all night, probably. Yeah, not tonight we can't. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know why we don't have confetti or fairy dust for our 100th episode. <laughs> Here's a book of matches. Would you like to light a candle or yeah, something? Yeah, this will help me <laughs> Don't, don't scare away the shadow. Away. <laughs> why? Because we want to ask him some questions. Oh. We're going to interview him later. All right. Can we electroshock him? <laughs> yes. Cool. Yeah, get... <laughs> Tomorrow's taser. Here's a box of tissues. We could like throw them up in the air. (laughs) (laughs) That'll scare him away. (laughs) And so remember the uh, live podcast on Sunday and Wednesday. And then on Wednesday, May 22nd, we have our Once Upon a Time roundtable at 9 p.m. So far, we've got uh, us from One's Podcast will be on there. Also, uh, people from Greetings from Storybrooke and Operation Cobra and Storybrooke Herald. And I'm still waiting to hear confirmations from several others who would be on that. So it would be lots of once upon a time goodness to talk about for that live episode that we'll share in the regular podcast feed too. So if you can't make it to the live event, you'll still get to hear it in our feed as well as uh, the other podcasters feeds. So we'd love to have your feedback. Again, that information is email feedback at oncepodcast.com with the subject line finale or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or you can go to oncepodcast.com and on your iOS device or computer and click or tap on the send a voice message link and you can record a message right from your computer and uh, send it to us that way. And Jenny, you wanted to share something from the chat room that you saw going yeah, on. Yeah, um, Corner Crying Maddie just shared <laughs> that... This... I love our listeners' <laughs> usernames. She normally goes by Maddie, but yeah. you know. <laughs> Apparently kind of she's crying episode. in the corner right now. <laughs> uh, she shared that uh, she observed that the same music that was playing while Emma was losing Neil played when she thought she was losing Henry. Mm. Yes. Yeah, the did very you, the very sad yeah. kind of the did, very still. Dun, did you notice dun, that? Dun, 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 dun. But it does not mean he's dead. Yeah, that's not. That would be a stupid death. I, I don't think he's dead. <laughs> he's just somewhere else. <laughs> so thanks, Maddie. That's a good observation. I didn't know that. Now everybody can go cry in the corner as we sign <laughs> off. <laughs> Yes, so please follow each of us on Twitter. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and you can follow me on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle, and also follow our podcast 
on Twitter at OncePodcast. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny Snook. I want to give special thanks to people who help make this podcast possible with volunteering in many different ways. Slurpees108 for organizing our feedback. Aaron J. Winnie and Corbin for writing our show notes. Hunter Hathaway for the spoilers, which you'll get to hear after our music. Rumpel's Girl and Matthew Paul for forum moderation, Alias Skate for chatroom moderation, Jacob for screenshot support, Melissa Cavallo for guest blog post writing, to Jeremy and Jenny, our great co-hosts, for co-hosting this podcast with me. You're welcome. <laughs> and especially to you, our wonderful listeners, for listening to us for these 100 episodes. And until next time, remember, there's only one way to get what we want. We have to blow Storybrooke off the map. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to sponsor an episode and be like co-producers with us, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Hi, Oncers. Hunter Hathaway here with your spoilers for Once Podcast. It's the season finale. Season 2, episode 22 is called And Straight On Till Morning. Is written by Edward Kittis and Adam Horowitz and directed by Dean White. Is it the end of Storybrooke? Greg and Tamara trigger the Black Diamond, the failsafe, and begin the destruction of Storybrooke. Mr. Gold mourns the loss of his son, and Regina finds herself as the unlikely savior. In Neverland, Bay meets Hook and the Lost Boys. Hook discovers his connection to Bay after he rescues him from the sea, and soon realizes that the Lost Boys are in hot pursuit of Bay. In a new clip released by ABC, it is revealed that Tamara and Greg do not even know who they are working for, but they are willing to die for their cause. They activate the failsafe by striking it with a dwarf axe. Meanwhile, back at the Charming residence, Regina is waking up and everyone soon realizes that the failsafe has been activated and they're all going to die. I read that we will find out who Tamara and Greg work for in this last episode of the season. Edward Kitsis is quoted saying, You will find out who the home office is. You will find out what they want, but you won't know why they want it. Mulan, Aurora, and Philip will definitely be in the finale. I cannot wait to see what happens. Before I go, I just want to say congratulations to Lana Perella, who became engaged to Fred DiBalisco on April 28th. Thanks for listening. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Enjoy the episode!